Welcome back to the 4A Podcast. Today, we're recapping the National League from the 2022 MLB season. Honestly, the National League this year, we thought it would be predictable, but it took twists and turns that we didn't expect. Teams regressed, teams progressed, and everything else in between happened. How are we doing today, boys? Uh, Pretty good. How about you, Stavs? I'm doing good. Uh, Nationals suck. That's really all, all we needed to talk about today. Amen. So to kick it off, we head to the National League East with the Atlanta Braves, who won the division by zero games, but they had the tiebreaker against the New York Mets. They went 101 and 61, and this is exactly what we expected of them. They had a huge, huge amount of boots to fill. They won the World Series last year. They were the team that we all expected them to be, but did they fill those boots? I think absolutely. I mean, you got you got the young players that continue to show that the Atlanta front office knows what they're doing. Um, I mean, the fact that they continue to lock down these key players, you got Vaughn Grisham, we got Spencer Strider, um, we got Michael Harris. I mean, these, these young guys that were not present last year are now showing why the Braves are going to be in first place for a long time. Um, and they kind of showed that they still are in charge and that they're still running the East. And I, I feel like there was a bit of a moment at the beginning of the season where the, where we, we might have doubted them, but they, they showed why they still deserve that number one spot. I would definitely agree. Um, I just feel like you you lost a, a, a free agent or you lost a Titan and Freddie Freeman in free agency, right? And there was a lot of drama around that. Did his agent tell him his the the offer, the final offer the Braves had, or did he want him to get more money? There was and there was a lot of headlines around the Braves, but they didn't even involve the Braves, right? With Freddie Freeman, with everything else that was going on. But I think they just continuously bring up good talent and they will always, they always just have a, like a, a, a merry-go-round of a, 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 a farm system. And it's, it's incredible to see them, them do that. Like, again, Tom, like guys like Michael Harris, like Spencer Strider, and and you you think they should be out of talent, but they're not. I think it's a fair testament to just look at how good those rookies were this year, like the rookies and the young kids. If you look at our voting last episode, Stavs, you give Kyle Wright a Cy Young vote. Like it's not a testament to the other pitchers around him, but it was a testament to how good he was. Like Kyle Wright came up and he exceeded all expectations. I really think it goes back to that 2021 World Series where he locked it in for five and a third innings. Um, and but it was nice that he had the supporting cast for Max Fried, who once again showed why he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like he comes in day in, day out, and he gives you a competitive effort to win. I think this is the best thing you can ask. And he did it pretty much every single start this year, except for the postseason. Yeah, um, no, and I, I think Tom perfectly kind of uh, said it, you know, just locking up these young players and, you know, they've locked up Michael Harris, um, Austin Riley, Acuna, Strider, you know, just all the main, you know, amazing young guys. And you bring it together, this core is going to stay together for the next five plus years, which you can't ever, for the next five plus years, you won't ever be able to count the Atlanta Braves out knowing what they are. And I think they're always going to be in the playoff picture again for the next five plus years. They've just and done it perfectly. I think that the one, like, there were two really big concerns, three big concerns that I saw in this Brave season. 
The first was Charlie Morton just wasn't really the same this year. Like he was still, he almost struck out 200 batters again. He still threw a good amount of innings. It's just they weren't the same quality of innings that he's thrown in the previous years. And do you guys think that's more of a testament to his age or it's just like, uh, you know, or an off season for him? Like he's struggling from the injury that he suffered in the 2021 World Series. Like where are we falling on that? Um, I think they just catching up to him. Um, obviously, I can't. I, I don't know if you can say it's a hundred percent on his age, um, but I think it's definitely catching up to him. And obviously, when age happens, you know, you start to regress a little bit. I think he's on his way down. I, I think he can, you know, with a good off season, have another really good season. Um, but I think his age is a huge it factor. Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of people remember Charlie Morton for his postseason heroics. And less for his regular season, but he does still have fantastic resume. His is a great resume for regular season too. But I think having the three-headed monster that is Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, and Max Freed at the top, it doesn't even matter. You just need to be like you just need to pitch innings at that point. When you have when you have a starting three that good, the last two don't have to be completely amazing, you know. And to get a pitcher that's still dominating like that, I mean, it's not like he's like dominating like at a Cy Young level, but he's still eating innings like a starter should be. And he's a good he's a good starting pitcher for us. So. No, no, just real quick. I was, you know, like Tonda said, I think all you really need is a from a four, five, four and a five, um, you know, is just to give you a chance to just a place to win. You know, you know, have a really good outing here, there, you know, maybe like like an excellent outing, you know, once a month or whatever. But just to go in and just really like just just give your chance give your team the opportunity to come through score some runs to win the game that's all you really need and then i think that was like the lowest of my three concerns on this list my other one is that they still have to pay marcelo zuna for two more years at 32 like for 32 million dollars over two years uh he was horrible this year and honestly i think him being a part of that roster takes away from a spot for someone like a Vaughn Grissom or a minor league talent who could come up and be like one of those Vaughn Grissom, William Contreras guest players. Um, And honestly, there's an argument there to release him. Like you can eat 32 million over two years, 16 million a year. If you're going to be paying a young rookie, the league minimum of around $700,000, you can afford that. You can afford to pay $16 million to not have Marcelo Zuno on your team. But the thing that was most concerning is Ronald Acuna Jr. did not look like himself when coming back. Like, out of the gates, looked really good. But as the season went on, we saw that the knee wasn't as healthy as we thought it would be. I, just all in professional sports, knee injuries are the absolute worst. Like, you can respond, you know, but especially in baseball, how much can you like get back to like close to a hundred percent? It's they're tough. Yeah, and I think I think similar to Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna's definitely got a lot of maturing to do. <clears throat> you know, he's definitely still a young player who probably has to adapt and be a little bit more professional. But keep in mind they they dominated like this realistically without the Ronald Acuna they know and without Ozzy Albies for most of the season. This is a team that was kind of built around these two i wouldn't say that completely but like these two are like should be the head honchos like you asked me three years ago or two years ago who would be running the braves you wouldn't say austin riley spencer strider michael harris you know all these young guys but it seems like every time they stumble they always have something to pick them back up and i mean not with with the absence of ozzy albies and acuna and they still won the division i i don't know it's it's not much of a setback if you're still winning divisions without your stars 
Yeah, and as a testament to wrap this up, the story of their season couldn't be told without the influence of Spencer Strider. He comes up at the beginning of the year, enters the bullpen, he looks really good, and he finally gets the opportunity to start. And then he sets the record for fastest pitcher to 200 strikeouts in a season and 131 innings. He goes down in the middle of September with an oblique injury, and then we get to the playoffs. And I really think, obviously, like there were expectations. There were a couple teams in MLB that it was World Series or bust, and the Braves were one of those teams. Spencer Strider was supposed to be their saving grace in Philadelphia. Spencer Strider comes in, and he was horrible. His velocity was down, his command was nowhere to be found, and he lets up six earned runs over two and a third innings. Um, I would, I mean, so I, I was on, I was on the record when we, we, we texted about this. We were like, who's gonna have a better game, Strider or Nola, right? Um, and I said, I had said Strider. Um, I just thought he was gonna come in there and he was gonna, yeah. I, we all agreed he wasn't gonna pitch that many innings, maybe three, four max, depending on how he he did. Um. But it, it's clear that Citizens Bank is just another monster in and of itself. And for a rookie pitcher coming in in one of his first starts, right, it, to come into Citizens Bank and think you're going to do good is just it, – it's we've seen it now in the, this whole postseason. They're 5-0 and in Citizens Bank. Phillies are 5-0. and And I don't – I just don't think he was mentally prepared for it. Yeah, and something, something that caught me off guard with Spencer Strider was I, I look at stats almost every night during the baseball season. Before or previous to the, to the start, I, I looked at Strider's stats, and I looked at his game log, and something that surprised me was how good this guy pitches against elite talent. I mean, he shut out, he shut out the Dodgers through six. He allowed one run against the Mets. He struck out 13 versus Philadelphia without giving up a run. This, this is a guy who seems to, to love – those those high those high games you know the really important ones and i i didn't expect in that group chat i also wrote that strider would probably dominate but it's clear that it was just another instance of rushing back from injury i don't i don't think that it's, it's a testament to how how he's bad in the postseason um i think he's just maybe was not ready to come back from that injury i i just you know you know real quick before we move on to the next team is you look at you know, this team, and I think this offseason is going to be so crucial for them. Not that, not because they have to make, you know, any moves, but just getting healthy. If they can get Acuna back, you know, to 100% and, you know, Strider back 100% and Albies and this and that, next year, I mean, they might be just, they might just be my, um, <clears throat> my favorites. And so with that, one thing that we wanted to do as like an overall reflection of the team throughout the year, we're going to do this for every team, is we're going to give them a grade based on their season. And I really think that the regular season for the Braves was fantastic. It was the best it could be. They came back from being down 10 games and they won their division. But you have to look at the grand scale. They honestly disappointed in the playoffs. How much does that hurt their A? Of a, over a, of a regular season. I, I still had them down as an A just because they locked down their key players. They really didn't need to have a crazy deadline, but the way the way they came back and the way that they showed that they're probably going to be a problem for a long time, I, I'm, I'm putting this as an A still, uh, not an A+. I don't know how many teams deserve an A+, but 
there's only one winner in the postseason. It's it's hard to base everything off of the fact that they were early exits, but uh, they did dominate the regular season, so I gave him an A for that. Um, I was I was there with Tom, but I just gave him an A minus. There, they had it. They had a good season. They did their thing. They locked out on a bunch of key pieces. Michael Harris, Spencer Strider. Uh, did they lock down Austin Riley this season? That was this season, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they they've locked down a bunch of pieces, and and they're gonna be together for a long time. And I'm excited to watch them play. Yeah. Um. I, I'm gonna have to say uh, A minus. Uh, I I think to be honest, if they didn't lock down the big players, we're looking at a B plus. Um, but I think it's just so crucial locking down, you know, three big players um, midseason, even though you didn't go as far as you wanted. Um, locking down those big players opens up a huge avenue in the next five, ten years. Yeah, I uh, agree with you guys that I, I give it an A minus. I think they had an A season. It's just the the knock on their playoffs just drops them down to that A minus. All right, next up, we got the second place finisher here. We got the New York Mets. And I actually, I, I have one note down for this. I have one single note down for the Mets. Um, and it, it literally is just three words. They didn't met. They didn't, they didn't met. They, they literally, they didn't, they didn't lose their hope at playoffs. And that was the first time I've seen that, I think, in my entire life watching the Mets. They're, other than that 2015 run, that was crazy. But this team was was highly thought of they spent a lot of money in the offseason and as a result you're going to expect to see a lot of changes in new york but it was a lot of changes that um are going against a, a fan base that is very strict and like is very passionate about their team it's it's hard to play in new york first of all um and second of all they're not in an easy division playing against atlanta and philly um so it's definitely tough for the mets but i i think that they with what they had i honestly think that they had a great season because they did not bet midway through the season. They showed that they were pretty consistent. Yeah. Like having the Mets actually do what the Mets were supposed to do for the first time in forever, since you mentioned that 2015 season, it was nice to see. It was good for baseball that the Mets were competitive. Like baseball yep. is better when the Mets are in prime time and the games actually mean something. And honestly, I think the biggest piece of this that was able to help like the publicity of their growth was the uh, emergence of Edwin Diaz as the guy. Um, having him enter to the trombone, having him get the, you know, that song became popular on social media. That doesn't happen from baseball as much as it should. And having that influence across social media, having that influence over baseball, it really helped the Mets seem like the team that they were supposed to be. Um, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, the the Mets are very similar to the Braves, but just kind of inversed in my opinion, right? They they started out hot, they came out the gates. It was everyone was like, oh, it's gonna be a New York, New York uh World Series, right? It was all those there was a bunch of sh- stuff like that. But they and then they kind of flamed out towards the end. And I definitely think the emergence of Edwin Diaz is a very uh big thing. They traded for him a few seasons back from Seattle and he had a good he had a good he had a terrible first season with him. He had a good second season. And then he, again, just was terrible last season. He had a 3-4-5 uh, ERA. This year he had a 1.31, which is definitely a lot better. And he is probably one of one of the can- top candidates uh, for, like, reliever of the year, stuff like that, right? So 
I definitely think that along with all a bunch, they had a bunch of free agent acquisitions and, and uh, Max Scherzer and Starling Marte and stuff like that. And, and the Mets are, are a very fun team, but I don't know how big their window is. And I'm just worried for them um, in the upcoming seasons. Just looking at it, I know, as you said, you talked about the window, and I, I would agree. I think they have, you know, three, four seasons, um, maybe if. Uh, but you look at it, and what I like to see from them is, you know, Brad, you did say good for baseball. As much as I hate the Mets, you know, it is, you know, good for baseball that they're competitive, they're on, you know, Sunday Night Baseball consistently, you know, just playing good. Um, but how well their stars played you know like Lindor back um Diaz back DeGrom when when healthy he he was he was there obviously not as good as you know the season before um Alonzo you know he hit those um key home runs so I just when you when you're paying all of these guys the big money you need them to do better than last season Lindor just as an, you know, as an example. So I think if those guys can come forward together and play good baseball, the Mets are going to be good. And I mean, I, that was just the key is having, you know, your money guys play well. Yeah. And just bringing it back to, I believe it was Tom, you mentioned, or Stevs, you mentioned the free agent signings. Like they paid 47.25 million this year for 7.4 war. Like that is worth it. That is a hundred percent worth it. Pete Alonso is going to be top 20 in MVP voting. Like that's what you wanted. He returned to his 2019 form. He wasn't even horrible the past two years. He just wasn't what he was in that rookie campaign. And uh, interesting stat just about the team is that everyone showed up like every position besides catchers had an OPS plus above hundred, which is something you want in your team. Like unless you're in center field playing fantastic defense at shortstop playing the best defense in the league, you want to have position players with an OPS plus over 100. I think the forgotten star or the smaller name that had the biggest impact was Chris Bassett. He came over from the Oakland Athletics in a trade this offseason, and he was really good. He's gotten top 10 Cy Young votes the past two years in the American League, and honestly, this year he was fantastic again. You know, he's one of those guys where you see his stats, his 3-4-2 ERA, over 181 innings and you open up the hood to see what the expected stats look like or anything else. And they look exactly the same. He is what he shows you on every night. He is that type of pitcher. He comes out. He is the best version of a number two starter. You. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely was watching Bassett pretty closely uh, for different reasons. Obviously he was on my fantasy team, but like, I, I liked, I liked the regular season Mets pitching staff. I mean, Bassett, he he's not gonna blow you away, but you know he was out there every night, like similar to um Morton. I mean, he just eats innings, and he kind of just can. He's very consistent. I mean, towards the end, there was a little streak where he got a little bit cold, but the whole season was pretty consistent with Bassett. And that's kind of what you get when you pay for Bassett, you know. Yeah, and then the playoffs weren't like they didn't go how everyone thought they would. They thought the Mets, like the Mets, were supposed to be this World Series juggernaut team. They fall into the same categories as the Brave World Series or bust. It was nice, like it was a it was a quality achievement for them to actually make it to the postseason. But once getting there, it was World Series. This team was supposed to win it, but with Scherzer hurt, like evidently hurt. DeGrom clearly wasn't at a hundred percent, and the Padres were hot. Like those 
those three things combined, like you can't win in the postseason like that. And I don't think that takes away from what they did in their season. I think there is something to be said about how good the Mets were this Mets were this year. I think Buck Showalter finally at the helm. They finally have the pieces and they perform. That deserves an A plus. I know the postseason wasn't the result they wanted, but it was still really impressive. Just looking at the look at Aiden's face, uh, he's a little bit he's a little bit flabbergasted there. I'm not going to give him an A, an a plus, but I will give them an A. I think that this team, I, it's all it's all relative. You know, the Braves coming off a World Series were expected to be great. The Mets coming from mediocrity were, you know, a, a big jump like that looks a lot better on paper. And I think for the same reason that they finished with the same record, I think I have to give them the same grade. Maybe the Mets have a slight edge, but I don't think I can give them a half letter grade over that. But because you get what you pay for, they they bought this team, you know, um, and they got what they they got what they paid for. Uh, so I give them an A for that. I would probably say an A minus, same as the Braves. Um, the record is the same. I, I think, uh, unlike Tom, I think I give the Braves a slight, um, increase on the Mets just because of what they did in the, you know, like, they actually signed the young guys. Um, they, they're kind of, you know, just extending people. Um, so, and they, they did the same thing, you know, relatively in the playoffs. Um, both lost the hot teams as that, so I, A-. minus. Um, I'm definitely right there with you. I'd say, I again, I said it earlier, I was like, the, the Mets and the Braves are just so similar in my heads. They had very similar seasons, both first-round exits both fighting for that one seed in the NL East, stuff like that, right? So I was I was right there with everyone else. I had them at an A minus just like I had the Braves and and I, I there's not much more I can say about it. But what I can talk about is the Philadelphia Phillies. The World Series contending Philadelphia Phillies. They won the NL championship and they had an amazing season. I was very um I was very excited. Um uh, we have a bunch of Phillies uh, fan friends um, of ours, and they're really excited. They're pumped. Um, the whole city of Philadelphia is pumped about it. But getting back to the start of their season, their start of their season was slow. They had a, they were rough out the gates. We didn't really know how it was going to go, but trade deadline, they picked up a couple pieces, Brandon Marsh, uh, Noah Syndergaard, stuff like that. Um, and they – came in they sneaked into the playoffs and they've just been on a ride ever since and the whole city of philadelphia is feeling it yeah philadelphia like they designed such a unique team they designed a team that was supposed to have the worst defense in all of baseball (laughs) and for some of the season it played to that and this postseason, we've seen that happen. But there are also instances where this defense was, they were fine. Like, they were nothing exceptional. So, like, eh. But one of the things that really stands out to me was that their acquisitions this past year haven't been exceptional. Like, Castellanos wasn't good. Kyle Schwarber, his stat line doesn't look great, but he hit 46 bombs. And but their bigger acquisitions, Brendan Marsh and Edmundo Sosa at the trade deadline, they served for their role. Like Marsh was in center field and it was really good for their defense. Sosa was an okay defensive replacement. The only thing that I didn't think was great was Noah Sendik. 
Yeah, I I just I, I wrote this down. Yes, they're in the World Series, but this has been a team that is top five in payroll for I think the last three years, uh, and this is above teams like the Braves, who have been kicking their ass for the last ten years. It's not like it's 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 tough to to rate them at, at such a high thing. I, I feel like recency bias is a big thing here. A lot of people are seeing that they're in the World Series, and they're gonna base their opinion off of that. And I guess you could a little bit, but. This is not a dominant regular season team. They, and that's the Phillies for you. They are a very streaky team. Um, and when they're hot, they are very fun to watch. I mean, I was just watching the game a couple minutes ago. I mean, this team is very fun to watch. And I'm saying that growing up in Washington D.C., I like I'm, I'm supposed to hate the Phillies, but they're they're fun to watch when they're hot. But the team is built to have horrible defense. The team is built expensively, overpriced, overpriced, very like 100% overpriced. And it's 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 a little bit disappointing what their postseason. Uh, I mean, what their deadline was, their deadline acquisitions were. But they are in the World Series. I think I could rate their regular season a B, but I I don't know. There's a couple things that can change that around. Maybe the fact that they're in the World Series right now would raise it to a B plus. Brad, actually, I think just said everything I was going to say. You know, the free agent acquisitions not you know um, being there. Um, Shorber, you know, hit what. 40 home runs, but batted like, you know, what didn't, you know, it was home run or bust almost, it felt like. Um, so uh, the regular season, you know, wasn't the best. Um, they snuck into the playoffs, and that's all you need to do now is, um, you know, sneak in and get hot. And wow, you, you know, you, you can possibly, you know, make a good run. Uh, Rob Thompson, though, I think did an amazing job on kind of, you know, down, they were down low. Um, he already didn't really have a grip on the team. He comes in and he, he controls that team, gets him back, gets his feet high. They go on a hot run. Um, now they're in the playoffs. They're with each other, you know, hot run. And Yeah, the one guy that I really wanted to highlight from this Philly season, like you guys know I love Aaron Nola. Like, but it's not him. It's Ranger Suarez. Like Ranger Suarez last year was fantastic. He pitched to a sub two ERA in his a hundred some odd innings, but this year he wasn't what we thought we'd be. And I just wanted to look a little bit like, I was curious, like why wasn't Ranger Suarez what he was last year? And it solely relies on his forcing fastball. His forcing fastball last year graded out aggressively averaged his ER run value but this year, it pushed an eight-run value, which is not what you want out of a pitch you're throwing nearly 30% of the time. Um, it So something that's very simple just to look at is just like the movement on pitches and how they deviate from its spin. So like the shape of a pitch, like a good sinker, like he has, which is a negative nine-run value, it looks different than it spins. I know that may be a little bit confusing to understand because I don't understand it completely, but we can imagine that it's spinning perfectly to the side and you're going to think, oh, it's going to move sideways, but it actually drops. His fastball looks exactly like it is and his spin is incredibly inefficient, making it a flat fastball, something that he just might need to throw a little bit less. And with a good pitching coach, that could really elevate him from a number three starter to an ace. Um, so with that, we move into our grades of the Phillies. And Tom, you started us off. Can you just talk us through your grade a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, so we're, we're weighing in regular season and postseason. I'm sorry for jumping ahead right there. But um, 
they they didn't necessarily dominate the regular season. They went on a lot of cold streaks. They went on a lot of hot streaks. Um, they had that whole little Philly magic thing. But I think to round everything off, and it's hard to round such a streaky season off because at times they look like an F and at times they look like an A+. Plus. But I think it rounds to a B for a regular season to sneak in the playoffs as they did. Yeah. And their playoff, the way they've been playing in this playoffs, has to, has to, has to at least jump them up a half-letter grade, if not more. So, for that reason, I gave them a B plus. The playoffs are what matters, right? In my opinion, right? You can have an atrocious season and get to the playoffs barely. and But if you make the World Series, if you win the World Series, which right now they're up 4 nothing in game three, it's very, very possible, right? It, what matters are the championships. That's what matters, right? You trade for these, these superstar players. You sign these superstar players. They're not... They're not there to lose games. They're there to win. And that's what the Phillies did. They went out, they got pieces, and they're in they're in a spot to win. So for that, I gave them an A+. I don't like the Phillies regular season, not at all. But what matters is the, the, the World Series, right? And that's where they're at right now. That's fair. Like... I look at it more of I've I value that regular season more. And something that we're really losing in baseball is the importance of the regular season. So like that's something I really want to highlight here. Like their postseason run has been fantastic. Like they got hot at the right time, and that's what you have to do in October. But when I look at that regular season, I see a team that skated by on thin ice on thin ice with ankle weights. Like I agree to Tom's point about raising them a little bit because of their playoff performance, but I'm not raising them from a B to a B plus. I'm raising them from a B minus to a B. This one's, you know, tougher for me because I feel like if you ask me to, you know, rate them two, three months into the season, they'll look at a D plus C minus kind of thing, you know, then they go up. And I think at the end of the season, I'd say a B minus, the playoff run, you know, like Red said, bringing it to a B. Uh, but I don't know. This one's just tough. And yeah, I definitely say probably a B. Now that we just finish up with the Philadelphia Phillies, now on to the Miami Marlins. Might have been a surprising season, might have not been, but that pitching was something else. Brad, what do you think about these Miami Marlins? Um, I think that the Marlins were a solid team. And I'll get into their pitching in a second, but I just know Tom, like his pants get so wet when Sandel Contra is brought up. So I'm going to send this to him real quick. Um, you can go to the top of my notes. Uh, it just says Sandy like 75 times. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara, baby. He really carried the team. Um, you know, but I don't, uh, did he last long? He really did last very long in those games. <laughs> you don't even need relievers when you have the longest lasting pitcher in all of baseball. The dude just lasts. Like, that's his thing, man. Um, but I'm not going to lie, a bit a bit of a disappointing season again for Miami. Um, the only real memorable thing is Sandy Alcantara. Um, I really thought this team could have looked more like an Orioles with the, with the young core they have, but they don't look like that. The young players look bad. I was really excited to watch Max Mayer come up, um, and he got rocked. The signings didn't look good. He got Solaire, who was horrible. And I, I've watched one of the most historical fall-offs in Pablo Lopez, who started the season looking like a Cy Young favorite and literally just got rocked for a second half of the season. And it was just not a good trade deadline for them either. 
not, not buying nor selling really. Uh, and it's just, it just confuses me what's going on down there in Miami, but uh, they do have a Cy Young pitcher. So uh, that, that's pretty cool. But uh, you guys take it from here. Um, I wasn't really expecting much from the Marlins. Their goal was be better than the Washington Nationals. That's exactly what they did. Um, they had a good pitcher. They had Sandy. They needed – I mean, you kind of had a little bit of expectations, but nothing crazy. You did go out and you signed Jorge Soler, the reigning uh, World Series MVP. But, like, let's be honest, no one expected a lot from Jorge Soler. He literally – he hasn't really done anything much in his career. He has had a couple good seasons, had a couple good playoff runs, but – Again, it they're the Marlins. You don't really – there's not really a lot you need to see from them. They went out there. They played baseball. You saw guys like Jazz Chisholm. There was a lot of drama in the locker room around him. Uh, Don Mattingly had a rough season. He is no longer with the team. Um, and they're the Marlins. That's really all I have. Yeah, no. Um, I think, you know – pitching really kind of especially just sandy himself um let him in um but i think the season wasn't a total disaster you know it shows what they can do they have these young pitchers coming up that in five years mark it down in the next five years they will have the number one rotation in mlb with all these young pitchers coming up I think this offseason, their main focus, I, we'll get into this in another episode, but I, what they need to focus on is hitting, getting these bats in this lineup, getting a stud. Uh, I'm going to give you a little leak. My stud that I think that they should go after, Trey Turner. You stole that so, from me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we both had it. Um, pair him up with Jazz in the infield, have the you know, middle infield of you know Jazz and um, Trey would be just, I mean – Something that, you know, Philly really needs. Uh, Philly, geez, Miami really needs. So, Brad. So, I agree with you guys. Like, the issue with this team isn't a lack of pitching. It's that the fact that the offense doesn't exist. Like, they need to invest in legitimate bats. Like, Solaire doesn't classify as that. Their only two players with an OPS plus of over 100 was Garrett Cooper and Jazz Chisholm. And that was something that I got to enjoy this year for the first half. I think you guys enjoyed it as well was the emergence of Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. But it just felt so insignificant with the supporting cast around him. Um, But the thing I do want to highlight is that the pitching was really good. Like, as Tom said, Pablo Lopez looked really good in the beginning. And then he kind of fizzled off. Sadio Contra was actually the opposite. He didn't look great in the beginning, but as the season went on, he just started lasting longer and longer and getting better and better. And then, (laughs) and then Jesus Lazardo actually looked like a stud before and after his injury. Like that trade that we kind of questioned from the athletics, I'm questioning even more. They got Starling Marte for part of a postseason for Jesus Lazardo, who the Marlins have turned into a guy. And then Edward Cabrera, the MLB The Show nightmare. He was pretty good this year. Like there were times where he struggled with command, but when he was effectively in the strike zone, Edward Cabrera was a really good pitcher this year. He's pitching to a 301 ERA over 71 and two thirds innings. Like I think that is something that the Marlins have a plethora of is future young pitching. And they have a lot that they can use as trade pieces. No, I, I was just about to say, and I think that's something that they need to uh, 
do is, you know, when these pitchers go crazy, I think they have seven good pitchers, like, in their system um, up right now. And I think if you trade away, you know, two, three of those guys, get a really good, you know, lineup going with some free agents, and this team will be a team to reckon with in the next five years. I think the NL East is going to be, in the, in the next five years, the NL East will be the best division. I can definitely see that. Like, I could definitely see... I, yeah, I definitely see the NL East becoming something that played like the AL East did this year. Um, but as optimistic as I want to be about the Marlins' future, I have to be as pessimistic about how they were this year. Uh, I think there's a very fine line of your pitching being good, but your offense being so unbelievably garbage that I have to give them a C-. Yeah, I'll take it from here. I didn't wasn't far from you here. I, I graded them a D. I'm just they continue to disappoint and I, I hope that they can get some bats in that lineup. Um if they really can. They're they they look scary with some pitching like that. Um like Aiden said they got so much they got so much depth there. So if they can get some bats they're gonna be a reckon they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um I I think I'm really grading it off the West on the season. Um, helping the future, kind of. So I will give them a C minus, um, just because of what I what I saw with these young players, you know, showing um potential mainly in the pitching, um, showing potential to really you know leading them in the next couple of years. Stavs, your prediction or your grade? Um, I was right there with all of you, C minus. Um, again, I mean, they met their goal, be better than the Nationals. But other than that, there's not much to write home about the Miami Marlins this season. But speaking of the Washington Nationals, the travesty that the Washington Nationals organization has turned into since the 2019 World Series Championship. This was a season that the Washington Nationals had. Um, I wrote down in my notes that my expectations for them were low, but Jesus, did they disappoint me. And that just feels like it's going to be happening for the next couple of seasons as a Washington Nationals fan. Um, you had, you, you, and there, there wasn't high expectations. Everyone knew the Nationals weren't going to be good, but you have Juan Soto, right? You have what you have Juan Soto, the, the childish Bambino, the next, next greatest player of all time. Right. But halfway through this season, leaks get out. Juan doesn't really want to sign because his agent doesn't think the deal's good, which rightfully so, the deal was structured horribly. But Juan, I want to be in Washington. This is where I want to stay. Mike Rizzo, I don't really want to, or Mike Rizzo, we're not going to trade him unless there's an amazing trade package, right? Get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Juan Soto, during the All-Star break, wins the uh, home run derby. Loves it. What talks about Washington? Blah blah blah. Right, but that deadline's coming. Cardinals, Yankees, uh, and Padres. Those were the teams, and, and the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers were kind of talked about a little bit, but and there goes Juan Soto to the San Diego Padres. You got players back at C.J. Evans, Robert Hassel, um, Mackenzie Gore, right? A couple other pieces, but. You lost the once-in-a-generational talent of Juan Soto, and for that, you can't call any season a success. 
Yeah, no, I definitely don't think you can call the season a success. I mean, how could you? Um, you know, starting the season with Soto and really this off season, you know, the off season before the season started, you know, you were thinking, wow, okay, you know, Soto's going to finish this season. We won't be that bad. Uh, you know, we're obviously probably going to finish, you know, fourth to fifth in the, in the division. Um, but, you know, at least we'll have that, hey, that shining start right there, you know, in Soto. Um, you know, so I've said it perfectly, you know, TikToks is that. Um, I do like the package um, that we got. Sucks that he had to go, which diminishes it a little bit. But, I mean, the trade package was good. Um, looking into next season, this, the young players, you know, that will get to start, um, I think will be fun. Um, you know, it, it sucks to say, but Soto's gone. He's gone. You have to put that aside, look at the new future of the Nationals, you know, knew what's going to happen. Season was a failure this year. Season next year won't be good. You have to accept it. Um, you know, some bright spots, though. You know, you had um, a couple bullpen guys, you know, really come out of the blue. I know you had um, Ramo Ramirez come out, and he was good. Um, Kyle Finnegan um, really came out, you know, until the end of the season. But the, <laughs> the beginning part... Um, you know, you once CJ got comfortable, he was making plays in the um field, you know, which you kind of um thought would happen. Um, you know, now you just have to, you know, have to develop these guys, and Washington, you know, is this that, but you know, another name, yeah, Victor Rano. Um, he was out there, but Brad, what are your thoughts on this uh, atrocious so- season? I am not a Nationals fan, and I see you guys reacting upset to it constantly, but I don't think it was – given the circumstances, I don't think it was that bad. Like, obviously, the quality of baseball on the field was not good, but given the development of prospects, the influx of prospects that you guys had, I think it was really good. And the Nationals, you know, given the Dodgers just lost, they officially won the trade turner Max Scherzer trade. So I'm going to let Tom go for a little bit here. But after that, I kind of want to like just look at what we actually got from Keeper Ruiz and Josiah Gray this year because there's some good things there. Yeah, and I was I was actually about to talk about this because I was gonna I was thinking about going first, but I, I was I was I was guaranteeing that before this podcast, Stebbs and Aiden would say this season was horrible, and that me and Brad would say for what it was, this is a this is a progressive season. And this is what rebuilds look like. I mean, you can have useless rebuilds where you just suck and then you don't rebuild like the Rockies. And, but, but you, you have a team that's making progress in rebuilding. This was not all for nothing. We got a lot. We, I'm sorry. The Nats got a lot in return for, for what we've lost, what they've lost is what I meant to say. Um, like it, it's, it, it's not, they, they had a horrible season, but it's all in relation to what their goal is. The Nats this year are not trying to win a World Series. The Braves are. If the Braves had a Nats season this year, it's an F. But because they're simply in this season this year to rebuild, I'm giving them a decent grade. It's it's still B minus, but you you have a lot more shining pieces than I thought. Um, this Nats team, if they had this bullpen in 2019, they would have swept. 
in the World Series. Th- this bullpen looks good, and you got you got some you got some new people on this team like Vargas and Manessas, who I honestly did not know before the season, and no one really did. And you got some shining pieces. You got you got, you got some very young people, and I believe that's why that's why they deserve to to get a decent grade for rebuilding. Yeah, and like the pieces, like those young pieces that were really in the spotlight coming into this year were Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray. Uh, something that was really interesting about Kiebert Ruiz is that he didn't really strike out or walk that much. Like he was pre-graded out pretty well and like looking to him as a future star. He was in the 94th percent percentile for whiff rate. Like he didn't swing and miss pretty much at all. His issue though is that he didn't really grade out that well defensively. His pop time was horrible. His He can't really frame that well. And it's concerning that he can't hit as a right-handed batter versus left-handed pitching. Um, so like a possible area for improvement would just be to scrap hitting as a, as a switch hitter, like solely let him hit left-handed. And where Josiah Gray looked really good was that, you know, his fastball, it rose 2.1 more inches, more than the average pitcher. But the matter of fact is that the Nationals have no pitching development and something that he really would have benefited from being the Dodger, being with the Dodgers for is that they ease in to their starters. Like the starters can find their own and then get going. Where with the Nationals, he might honestly be their opening day starter next year. Um, yeah, I think that's a ton of pressure on a rookie who's not ready to be the guy. It's um, like that's even more of a testament to how bad their starting pitching was. No starting pitcher with over 70 innings pitched at an ERA plus over 100. Yeah, I just want to cut in here really quick because this will be the last time I talk on this, but I, I watched a lot of Nats games, you know, local, but like Kaver or Reese is one of his biggest problems is behind the plate, this dude just gets beat. And I know Cashy get beat, but like Kaver Ruiz is like a magnet to these foul balls. I mean, like he, I think I hit the nuts like last couple weeks of the season and he had to miss the end of the season because of a testicle injury and, and there was some forearm injuries. There was some, there was some shoulder. And there was like, this guy gets demolished behind the plate. I mean, literally demolished. And that, that really can impact the way he plays baseball. I, he's very tough. Like he will, he probably ruptured one of his testicles during that play. And he, he wanted to come back into the game, you know, like he didn't want to come out. He's very tough, but that could be his downfall too. He could get very injured in the future. Are we going to clip this out? I'm very sorry. No, 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 uh, no, no, you were saying it right. I, I want to just, you know, put in a um, a piece of the 20, you know, what the season kind of provided for us in the 2023, you know, Brad said, you know, Josiah Gay most likely, you know, being the number one starting uh, opening day, this, that, which I agree 100%. Patrick Corbin, awful. And I, I don't want to rant on Corbin, you know, because there's so much better things to rant about. But, Patrick Corbin and his one of the worst possible seasons, maybe in MLB history. I mean, it was just awful. Personally, I think he shouldn't be in the rotation next year. I know that sounds dumb. I think bullpen. you start him off in the bullpen. Um, you know, let him do that longer late if needed in the bullpen. If injuries happen, then bring him back in. But I'm looking at like Josiah Gray. Uh, then you go. Strasburg should be healthy, probably. I no, he won't. Oh, he, he won't be. be. He's don't Strasburg. Don't even. He's going to retire. He's going to retire. He's going to retire within the next two seasons, and we're going to have to Bobby Bonilla him. That's what's going to happen. I know it. I can see it. 
If he retires, they forego the contract. Do they actually? At, Fucking retire, shit, Steven. Retire. <laughs> at opening at opening day, he will probably be listed as the number two. Not saying he will be all season, but opening day, he'll probably be listed as number two. Then you have Cade. You have um, Mackenzie Gore. Um, I am excited about Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you know what he brings. Um, and Eric Fetty would probably be a fifth. He wasn't that bad this year. He, you know, he. <laughs> Yeah, he, he had some bright spots, he had some down spots, but he's not bad as a fifth. You know what you you know what we said earlier about I think it was, you know, uh, Morton. You just want to give them a chance to win. And I think multiple times this season he gave them the chance to win. Um so Betty had a five point eight one ERA this season. That's not a chance to win. That's not a chance to win. Um anyways. So yeah. I wanna come back. Okay. So my grades for the Nationals this season, right? You traded away. This is something we talked about at the deadline. You traded away Juan Soto. That Tom has completely flipped his script since the deadline on the Washington Nationals. Aiden and I trade was good. The trade was good for what it was. Trade was good. You gave up Josh Bell. You gave up Juan Soto. You got back what was it? Five, six pieces that could be good. But issue that they could be good yeah you do the research you do the scouting you do all these things they're not Juan Soto and Josh Bell right now they're not they probably will never be I'm excited for the pieces I'm excited for our future but I'm not excited for what happened this last season Joey Manessas was great CJ Abrams came into his own Josiah Gray work in progress we need to fire every single coach we have but that's not going to happen um and and Kbert Ruiz is again another bright light, and I just we just need him to stay healthy, stay consistent. And how dry do you know how often, like once a player gets to the majors, they get rid of their switching? Because like Ozzy Albies has a similar issue, right? He hits he hits terribly to one side. I don't remember which side. Ozzy um, Albies hits terribly to one side. I know that. Normally, he, but he'll never switch. Normally they keep people with switch headers just because it's such a platoon advantage, even though the stats may not reflect that. Yeah, exactly. So Central. they'll never get rid of him. Sure. While they, yes, he should, they never will. And something you have to look at is like why the, what should we call it? Why the Orioles got rid of Mullins is they really developed into an analytical tycoon because they took they got the Astros for an office. The Nationals are um in the bottom five in analytics in MLB, so they're not even going to think about getting rid of Keeper Ruiz's switch hit. Yeah, I, and I read about that. I read about how how Davey Martinez and how the whole national staff is very anti statistics, anti, and that's just that's just anti Brad. I mean, you can't be against statistics. You can't be against statistics in the world in the baseball world we're in it we're in now. It's just not. It doesn't make sense to get rid of all the analytics and all the stats that are literally right in front of you. Yeah. No. Uh. You look. You look at it, and you look at the. You know, one of the pitches. Um, wait, wait, wait. um yeah, one of the. I'm I'm having a massive brain fart. Stubbs, help me out here. One of the pitches they let go, went to the O's. Austin both. Yes, thank you. Austin both goes to the O's. Pitch is amazing. Has, he pitches amazing, but but yeah, but wa- the, yeah. Washington. He, he had he had a good season, but and he he goes and he kind of. I don't know if you call bashes the Nats. 
but we just talk yeah talk terrible about pitching their... coaches we have terrible coaches P- Martinez, yes did an amazing job in the 2019 world series championship run he's not a good coach he's not i'm sorry he's and, not and there's no there's no way for the pitchers to look back at the um you know what they would do what they were doing wrong like electronically nothing is an electronic for the nationals analytics so i think that hurts but it's great. Let's let's get to grades. I can't talk about the Nationals anymore. I mean, considering <laughs> the Nats, uh, yeah, since they're neutral, they they code on a typewriter, but um, they do. Um, honestly, this is from my point of view that they did the best they could given the situation they were in. I gave them a C because they had to get rid of Juan Soto, but they did they they did the best they could in return for it. It doesn't mean you're not going to be happy as a Nationals fan. You lost Juan Soto, but given the circumstances, you did the best you could with what you had, and you can see how there's a future. Honestly, I think my grade would honestly be a B if they decided to sell the team during the season, but they didn't do that. So I'm giving them a solid C. Yeah, I I think a B minus fits them decently. I I just I agree with you, Brad. I think that they should have sold a little bit more. I, I, no, B minus status. Don't the goal, you, no, the, you did not the, give them a B minus. You did not give them you're a angry. B minus. Okay, for you know season. what? We're no. Gonna, we're going to go into no. my initial reaction to the trade was that you're trading away two superstars. You know what those These two are. superstars did in San Diego when they when they got there? They got to the National League Championship Series. That's what they did. What? Their individual picks were horrible. They sucked. They, they did were, suck. Reese they were Hoskins just homered. average, and these are two of the best players you should be ta- like. The fall off of Josh Bell completely wipes the fall off of of, uh, of Soto. Soto was decent. Bell forgot how to hit, at least for the first couple games, and I still don't think they got enough in return for Soto. But they could have just traded him for a bag of chips and gotten like and said that they just given up. But they actually got something. Ainge, for what the, for what it for what it is, this is a rebuild season. I love Juan Soto. I have his jersey. I I was angry that they traded him, but for what it was, you got a very big haul back. And for team success, I guess if you really wanted team success, you would have probably been willing to spend a little bit more money. But um, for the whole the whole learner situation, they 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 maximized. I hate how the learners are running this team, or at least paying for the team. Because they will, they would, they would have paid. They, anyone else would have paid for Juan Soto. You pay for Juan Soto, but at least they got something in return. Um, and status call me, call me a hypocrite. It's okay, but it's it's reasonable. What they got back is reasonable. Yeah. Um. No. And I, I'm gonna give them a C minus. Um. I I do like the future. Um. But I I I I think it's I think it's the same as the Marlins. You know. Uh. The season wasn't the best. They did the most, you know, this, that. Um, but my bold prediction of the offseason is that, um, yeah, um, <laughs> is that they sell, that they sell the team. The learners, um, they do sell the team. It goes to Leonsis, who owns the Wizards, the Capitals, this, that. Some people might not be happy. I'm not going to be the most mad about it. He pays the stars, this, that. Um a C minus, yeah. So yeah, people saying Soto had to be traded. I kind of agree. He probably wouldn't have signed with the learners, just that. Um, but you, you can't take the chance. Um, and even though they suck, this that Soto's still going to be on the team and the Padres next year. 
he won't be that bad. I, I, I would guarantee he won't be that bad. Josh Bell, I think they said the only reason like we got Jarlin um, Susana is because they traded Josh Bell. So technically it's Josh Bell for Susana, which I love. Amazing. Like I think that was one of the highlights. And then all the rest for Soto, uh, which, you know, isn't a bad package, but um, I'm kind of excited to, you know, see what Soto does on the Padres. Um, so when I was first, when I was first writing this, obviously I am, I am a Nats fan through and through. I will root for the Nationals until the day I die. I wanted, I wanted to, I really wanted to give them an F, but I can't, you can't give them an F. You've got pieces back. I pulled up the trade details. So it was, it was, it was Josh Bell and Juan Soto. In turn, the Nats got CJ Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and Luke Voigt. So those were your three already MLB guys. They're, they're up in the MLB. They're ready. Um, on top of that, they got Robert Hassel. James Wood, who is very – James Wood's very similar to, like – they compared him, I think, to Aaron Judge-type player. He's that kind of build. And then Jarlon Susana, who is a firearm. <laughs> he can throw the ball hard. Um, and obviously we got Luke Voigt, like I said, but that was because Eric Cosmer decided he didn't want to play in Washington, which I like would want now. to play in Washington currently. But I really – I wanted to give them an F. I did. But I'm I'm not going to. I'm gonna give him a D. I the season was a letdown from a on the field. That's exactly what I expected. I expected to play terribly. Off the field, yes. Off the field, we traded the guys. We traded the guys that you needed to hand. You not not Josh Bell. I expected Josh Bell deal. You traded the guy that the city of DC was behind. And there's not much more you can really talk about other than that. Now, Brad, let's end it. So with this, we are going to split this up into three unique episodes. We're going to have the NL East. We'll have it on YouTube, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. We'll have the NL Central and the NL West. So we hope to see you tomorrow for the National League Central Recap.